Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Fright Night. She just goes a little mad sometimes. Wolfman's got Nards. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We have such sights to show you. Hey, everybody. What's up? And welcome back to another episode with the Jersey Ghouls. It's that time of year again. It's the most wonderful time of the year, and we're not talking Christmas. We're talking March Madness. Jock jams, jock jams. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Jock jams here. Jock jams here. Um, This is my favorite time because to heck with sports, who gives a crap? More importantly, we're going to use this as an excuse to bring on some of our favorite people in the world and talk movies and have a fun bracket. Um, So first of all, I'd like to introduce the uh, Fright School uh, gents, Joshua and Joe. Thank you so much for joining us for March Madness this year. Yay! Hello. Super so excited. excited. And then out of the sewer from Derry, crawled my brother, <laughs> Joe, <laughs> out from the ashes of Derry. To do you want me to do that again? Do you want me to? <laughs> no good. No good. No, yeah. thank you. Um, Joe Costal is with us, of course, um, from what I hope will soon be some podcasts on the Three Currents Network, but also he is a author, poet, and big brother du jour, uh, Joe. Oh, thank you. Uh, this almost killed me. I'm done. I'm done oh with these. Oh my God. When did you, dude, you, so just a quick background, you guys, my brother's literally the reason why I'm into horror. He was the first person to introduce me to horror. He, he showed me Night of the Living Dead. He, you know, really started this for me. And now he's such a chicken shit that I'm almost ashamed of him. It's not even even the chicken shitness. And I am, I'll admit, I've become a chicken shit. It's parenthood. I don't know about you, but that was it for me. But it's not even that. It's just like, can I use my catchphrase? It's the aggressive mediocrity of these movies. That's that's the that's going to be early. It's a little early to fire some shots, Joe. It's like, let's take really middle of the road. We're just going to do a whole tournament of middle of the road shit. All right. Well, let's back it up real quick, uh, because in March Madness fashion, we always pick some sort of topic. We've done horror movies. We've done sequels. We've done Soul Survivors. This year, we are tackling Stephen King adaptations. We have 
made for TV movies. We have feature films. And uh, today I get to play hosty, which I'm very excited about. You guys are going to be our our voters, our, our opinion uh, people. One thing I do want to do, though, before we start this whole thing is just kind of warn everybody out there that we did have a, a few rules because what I did find is that March Madness, we get the most feedback. So be ready for the hate mail, you guys. We appreciate you coming on, but you're probably going to get some. Um, Bring it on. I and- love hate mail. I'm here for it. Too, it I, fortifies I, Joshua. It's yeah. it's you know that's great. Yeah. I also My just personality think how, is built on it. Oh, sorry, how adorable it is that your guys' first tournament was just horror movies. Like you guys didn't really see, oh, we, you yeah, didn't really just, see. It. And you know what? It was fucked up because like we were like, let's do like real March Madness, and we did 60 64 movies. You were movies. there for that, Joe. It was there. I know. Yeah. It was crazy. Never wow. again. Never again. That's yeah. when we're like, you know what? Maybe we'll start at 32. <laughs> like let's dial it back because the 64 wow. was utter insanity. That's oh, a great. real marathon. <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah. Um, and we tried to stick to uh, Stephen King movies that were very much more horror-based. Um, so, like, classics like Stand By Me, Shawshank, Green Mile. What else did you guys yell? Joe, what else did you yell at me, Joey? How did Dolores Claiborne sneak in there? Because it's a horror movie. Is it? Because Kathy Bates is amazing. National treasure. That's <laughs> yeah. the other thing I said. Because you know what? That was one of the last ones I watched. And very topical R.I.P. Christopher Plummer. That one broke my heart. Did everybody die? Like in this, (laughs) in our little tournament, I was like, "Shit!" Like that guy died. That guy's dead. Like we might have done this, you guys. It may be our fault. We did bring down Shelley Duvall, so this would also be our. This is we monkeys pod the hell out of this thing (laughs) because. Um, so real quick before we get started, you guys, I just kind of want to go around the room. I want to ask you guys, what does Stephen King mean to you? As a bunch of horror gurus, I know that for me personally, he was like one of the most uh, important authors of my childhood. So if everybody could just kind of chat a little bit about their relationship with Stephen before we get started. Like I'm on a first name basis. <laughs> in case anybody's curious. Me and Steve-O. Um, I know for me, it's, I think it's a, a pretty even split between the books and the movies. I remember... 1990 watching it and being madly in love with it I remember that I went to get the book from the library and I started to read it and uh, the first few chapters there is that uh, chapter when Pennywise takes a giant bite out of somebody's armpit and I quietly shut the book told my mom I'm done reading it I'm not going to touch it she can come get it out of my room and return it to the library for me so wasn't quite ready for the graphic uh content in the book but I love the movie and then I've always been an avid reader so I I generally will go into the library and I'll go to the Stephen King section first and kind of just look through and which ones have I not read and which ones do I own and let me tell you doing this tournament has really sparked that for me again because I'm already doing another spreadsheet I gotta see what I need want it need it got it got it got it need it want it so I'm (laughs) I'm very very excited for that but yeah like i said make a spreadsheet for this you were like oh i did i gotta share my fear street one it's very organized it helps me figure (laughs) out what i have what i need i got my whole little i have a key that like have my little labels Um, i love spreadsheets um that's not a surprise especially for anybody that heard our myers-briggs episode that came out uh it is uh it's 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 my personality it's the way that i am but yeah for me i'm i would say that i'm a good 
50-50 split of just growing up with both the books and the movies. And I really, I adore him. So I generally will just eat it all up. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's kind of similar. I mean, I don't see if you, if you can't really see the shelving behind me, but there's a whole shelf of hardbacks. I've got a whole shelf of uh, the uh, soft covers, um, you know, whatever trade, trade paperbacks. Um, so yeah, I've talked a bit about it on Fright School and other places. You know, I was that like precocious, child you know the ones that get labeled gifted and now we're all fucking disasters as adults um, <laughs> so one of the very first novels i ever read like as like an eight-year-old was gerald's game that my very very young mother who had wow. me as a teenager and um clearly had a very you know uh, tenuous grasp on appropriate reading for children um and she had even read it and then like passed it on to me so um <laughs> So I just always loved Stephen King. Um, you know, I read so many of the books. I was also that kid, like, you know, if I saw that, you know, oh, we're going to watch this movie. It's like, is there a book? I got to read the book first, you know? So I'd like read the books and then watch the movies. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, he's so, especially in American horror, when we, when we talk about that, he's such like he and Rice, you know, there are just these names that are kind of these massive, you know, behemoth, you know, um, worlds that so much of horror they've influenced so much you know Stephen King is like Madonna <laughs> you know it's just he's, he's had this massive uh success it's you know there's definitely work in there that's not great uh you know there's definitely a lot of um uh white male mediocrity and uh love for the 50s you know especially as an older person once you get older and you you know you read the books you go mm, <laughs> that doesn't read as well as it did 30 years ago but there's also a lot of fantastic thought and um you know just yeah I, I don't know just real hometown horror that just really appeals I think to the average person living in these small towns and you go gosh what is going on with the neighbor <laughs> you know it just it just opens up this whole world of imagination as, as a young person in a small town so I guess that's like the short answer even though that was long and rambling <laughs> <laughs> Um, I have I have no relationship with Stephen King. Uh, <laughs> I mean, well, and now we've just tried. I know now you. it's like <laughs> I get I get the best and the worst of it. Um, well, it's interesting because like I only know like the premise of Fright School is that like I don't I haven't seen a lot of horror films, and so a lot of the films on the list I've seen I saw for the first time. Um, I was actually very surprised about how much Fright School has actually helped me through a lot of the list as well. So that was that was really cool too, but. I mean, he was always, it wasn't maybe until I was an adult that I even knew what he looked like. Um, and I just remember that, like, if it had Stephen King's name on the cover, it was probably going to be scary. Because you remember, like, those paperback books that you see at the, at the, at the grocery store. Um, I, have this clear, I have this clear memory of, like, Pet Cemetery, <laughs> um, And then... And then I think the first King film that I watched was Rose Red, was the made-for-TV Rose Red. Um, and, and yeah, so it was like he was always kind of in the background as like this ominous boogeyman that, oh, I guess I see his name there and I know not to go to that place. And so when we, <laughs> and so when we started doing it for, we started doing his films for Fright School, because um, I haven't read anything um, because famously I don't read. Uh, well, no, that's not true. I do read. I just like it's it's difficult for me to to read uh, novels that are not like Harry Potter. <laughs> so, um, but but as I started watching, I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. Like I get the 
I get the themes. I, I get it. I can see why it's so influential. And, um, and I think what I love the most is just kind of how, um, how how much it can go in the in the weird bonkers direction um because <laughs> i'm just like oh here we're traveling down a highway or you know here i'm at an airport calling my ex-wife and then all of a sudden zombies you know like that's <laughs> i think that's what i loved about watching all of these films i'm just like oh okay and it and the performances subsequently from like a lot of like tv film giants that are in all these films too yeah i so i'm i'm kept picking up on the fact that i'm a little i might be a little bit older here among among us so i i think that um that kind of colors my experience a little bit more definitely everything josh said apply to me like i was off you know my mother brought home cycle of the werewolf from the memorial high school library and it it i was gone and i was in sixth grade and i was just gone misery pet cemetery salem's lot in reverse order i don't know why i said them that way we're next and i just i i could not stop and I had, you know, I had, I was like, I loved like Judy Bloom, Beverly Cleary before that. I, I loved Tolkien, but I, but I think King and Bradbury were really like what made me a reader. But because that was the eighties, I also got to see him sort of dip in quality um, as well. Yeah. So Marissa's making fun of my Judy Bloom. Like my, so, I, and I'm going to preface it with this just to lead into the next thing. So I used to have this terrible, dirty secret when I was a kid where I, on library day, remember library day in school, I would get, <laughs> I would go and I would sneak out what were considered at the time girl books. And they were girl books because they were, the protagonist was a girl. It was about friendships. And usually it had like a really feminine title, like, hey, it's me, Amy. Okay. Marissa will tell you that we had a very macho Cuban father who would literally have beaten me had he found these books on my person. And I'm realizing now, as I do a lot of work as a writing coach, and I do a lot of editing other people's writing work, that what I was starving for were like relationship stories. And I think at that time in like, there really, first of all, there was no YA back then, really. Not like there is today. Right. I was just starved for books that weren't like, books for boys were like, I'm a sports hero. I'm going to uh, traverse this obstacle. And I had no connection to that world because I had no desire to be that. I was starved for stories with people who were having relationships with other people. And I think the horror was secondary. I think King was, was giving me that. Now, real quick, the problem today, besides all of the social cultural stuff of which this experience has brought all that rushing back and makes you realize just how troublesome a lot of Stephen King's worldview is and how we really need to tie him up into a little bit of, I think we need to hold him responsible for some things, but I'm sure that will come in the tournament. From just a writer's perspective, being a struggling novelist myself now, you know, he's responsible for the, for the panther philosophy of writing. Are you guys aware of this? They're, so they basically say there's plotters and there's panthers. If you're sitting down to write a novel, you either plot the novel out or you purposefully do not. Now King, oh. by, by writing a very popular book about writing, has, has sent legions of people into the world believing that you should never plot out a novel. And as someone who does novel editing, you know, as a job, it's hard because you get a lot of these like ambling digressive works that don't go anywhere. It wouldn't be that bad of a deal 
if Stephen King didn't have this obvious third act problem, which might be helped by a little bit of plotting. So I think that, you know, I just have such a complicated relationship with him. He's why I'm here. He's why I'm an English teacher for sure. But I also have such like a long and troubled and complicated journey through literature with him. So a lot of that is going to come out. <laughs> sorry, sorry ahead of time. Uh, as you He's like be. grandpa in a way, you know. Right. Like. He's going to yell at the clouds. That's fine. It's fine. Um, I'll wander outside. No, and, and Stephen King is like grandpa. Stephen <laughs> King is like, you know, that kind of, you know, where you're like, there's, he gave right. you a lot of things to love wrapped in some problematic stuff. <laughs> right, right, right. Like so the true. stories are great, grandpa, but I can't tell anybody you're having these thoughts now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Or like Sorry, you, real quick, Joey, do you, Joey, okay. if you don't mind, how old are you, if you don't mind saying? Um, no, no, I have no problem at all. I'm 43. So my Okay, sister, just a few years older than. Yeah, just a couple of years, but probably enough that like, yeah, cultural. when a lot of these were like event TV, I was a, probably a little bit older. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Than you guys would have been where yeah. you probably yeah. had to sneak to watch it. Like I remember Marissa B, I remember the stand, Marissa, was the one where you were so mad, right? Because I got to watch it. And you had to like hide in the other room. Yeah, I watched the whole thing standing in my room at the premiere <laughs> right. you know, to see the right. reflection in the right, TV. Right, right. <laughs> and so that four-year difference in our lives was like a big deal. Yeah, and we watched it as a family. I mean, like it was <laughs> like it. I mean, we sat around literally, like as a family, and watched yeah. these shows. It's bonkers. I love how radically different like we all have these like relationships to horror and yeah. you know I, I just think that's uh I, this is going to be really fun to talk about so all of this yeah I'm really excited so <laughs> and, I have a and, and to hold it before before we move on I just want to say that I, the books that I was sneaking out of the library were like the chocolate war and oh, <laughs> the chocolate war, the chocolate war. Love um yeah. and then I subsequently watched the like shitty indie movie that was based oh my on the chocolate God. War. with the Yaz soundtrack yeah <laughs> I loved that movie. We got to watch that. I think it was in middle school because we read it in middle school. Love and then that. like after we finished reading the book, the teacher played the movie for us. And I was so excited because it has Wyatt from Weird Science, who mm. I had the hots for as a little yes. kid. He's he was in the, 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 yeah. the, I guess it was a TV movie or whatever. He was in it. And I was like, oh, Wyatt's so good looking. So I was very excited when we got to watch the movie. The Chocolate War made for TV might be the most 80s movie of all time. How could you say that when the Midnight Hour is clearly the most 80s oh. movie of all time? Uh, yeah. How long? Can we talk the that. Midnight Hour reference time? <clears throat> Marissa, I have a very definitive Midnight Hour reference for later. Okay, good. I was watching one of these movies and had a very vivid midnight hour. Oh my God, uh, no wonder you couldn't sleep. My blind, like nostalgia based, purely personal, purely inexcusable love for all things Stephen King is not going to cope well with this. I'm no, but in, in all honesty, Marissa, that didn't get called into question through this. Like you didn't feel it teetering. You didn't feel the nostalgia sort of shaking and no. Again, I admit I'm just blind. I'm when it comes yeah. to Stephen King. Love is I, love is love is right, love. That's yeah. right. You, you know you can't explain it sometimes. Well, just... I feel like yeah, I don't know. Like because yeah, looking at this, like there's some really great films on here that I've and seen a million times, yeah. and there are some that I'm just like, oh, why didn't we pick better movies? But then yeah. I also have to remember that we're all going to talk about that. And there's some of these movies you're going to be like, no, I love it because of this. And I'm going to be like, oh, all right, well. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, so a good in point. case, because oh. it is going to come up, like how the fuck did you pick these movies? What I what we did was we took all of Stephen King's entire canon and we used the IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes scores. And we chose the top 32 that were um, horror. 
So of course, okay. like I said, really big ones, like, you know, the Green Mile, Shawshank, obviously ranked better than a lot of these, but we didn't choose them because they weren't horror-based. Um, so that's how we got to this list of 32. So technically speaking, Well, were... I would argue if we included Dolores Claiborne, we could have put the Green Mile for existential horror. I agree. Uh, that's okay. I, agree. I You know, again, I, I get, we can't, I, we can't do this or we're just going to be here all day. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> fair. Katie. There were, it was hard. It was hard to pick. And I, there were definitely ones that I would have, I would have certainly been willing to talk about because I love the yeah. Green Mile, but um. All right, so you guys ready? You ready for your first official round? Yeah, so episode one is going to be the 32. We're going to get down to 16. Yep. Uh, Episode two, we'll do the sweet 16, get it down to the elite eight. Mm -hmm. And then the final episode, we will go from the eight and to crown a winner. And we usually kind of do an homage to whichever film gets voted off so that we Mm -hmm. save the good stuff for the the film that moves through. Um, So we can like rotate through whoever like, uh, likes the other movie can kind of do a goodbye homage to the movie that gets right. voted off. And we try to focus on our the loser of each round, right? Because we are the loser of each round. No, no, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm very mean to my brother, you guys. You'll get used to it. It's fine. If we were sitting okay. next to each other, she'd be pushing me this entire time. So. I like I said, as long as it's not the other way around, it'll be fine. Now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, believe me, Josh, I understand the neighborhood I'm in right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not as dumb as I look, believe me. <laughs> not as dumb as the beard is encouraging anybody to believe. No, I'm teasing. Yeah. Sorry. I, I uh, loved you at it? the Capitol. You looked great. <laughs> oh, he left his Joshua, don't get us canceled. Okay. <laughs> right, no, he doesn't have, don't be ridiculous. Um, he doesn't have that kind of power. Um, all right, so number one we're gonna so again how i did this was i took in the most traditional march madness style i took one and and 32 got matched two and etc only to make it a little more fair i i put them into two different brackets like the east coast and the west coast so again that i did it purely based on numbers number one carrie 1976 directed by brian de palma and starring sissy spacek uh, Piper Laurie and a young sexy John Travolta versus uh, Thinner, the 1996 uh, directed by Tom Holland and starring Robert John Burke and Joe Mantega. Mantega? <laughs> oh, wow, that's awesome. Wait, so wait, what numbers are these? These are so, like this, like the middle is, of the bracket? So no, technically this is probably a number one versus like a number 32. <laughs> oh my God. Thinner was 32? Thinner was probably around 16, 17 for its bracket, yeah. Oh, wow, okay. I guess you. The, okay, so can I tell a story to start <laughs> sure, us off? Yeah. So Marissa and I, when we were little kids, loved. The, we, so we 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 didn't watch a lot of movies. We watched a lot of previews on cable. Like we would watch the cable previews over and over and over again, and so we would like memorize them. And for a few weeks, when this movie was coming out on HBO, we told each other dinner was. <laughs> By running up to each other in each other's room and going, dinner. <laughs> we still do it. Don't act like we don't. <laughs> but we would try to like get to the other one because it didn't count if you couldn't run the back of your hand along the cheek of the other person when you said dinner. Um, so yeah, so go ahead, you guys. Uh, uh, Carrie versus thinner. Well, this is... Uh, uh. Um, I mean, okay, for me, hands down, Carrie is a better film. I, I just don't even see how we can even have a conversation about that. But obviously, I'm sure we will. But Carrie, I mean, come on. Carrie is like, 
uh, anyways, but I have kind of a complicated relationship with Thinner because it is one of the most popular episodes we've released on Fright School. It's one of our most listened to episodes. We had an attorney on. We talked about, you know, kind of the villainization of fat bodies, um, you know, uh, the villainization of like Roma, gypsy culture. Uh, so it's like, it, it was such a gift when we thought it was going to be this kind of, it was such a, you know, like, ugh, what a terrible movie. But it really led to this fantastic conversation and again one of our most like popular episodes but yeah no sorry that's really surprising to me that it would be so popular but that's really cool it's really our show is about the conversation you know it's not it's never really about whether the film is good or bad we we, you know we don't want to really review stuff because that is dangerous you know obviously sometimes you go this is patently this is a bad film uh but the conversation that might spur from it could be fantastic not to say that thinner was a bad film movie whatever but just you know the conversation was fantastic but so i have a special place in my heart for the film because of that um and because it really shows exactly what our show is about and 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 how you can pull fascinating conversation out of something that on the surface doesn't feel that um charged but yeah Carrie come on Carrie's the winner <laughs> yeah this is, a, this is a no-brainer for me too for Carrie which is why I'm gonna uh, if it's okay I'd like to th- talk about Thinner for a little bit because to me Thinner really embodies this very Stephen King-esque problem where the premise is so much fucking better than the outcome of the story mm-hmm. like and this is just something he does to him so this is the corner he paints himself into often so th- from this perspective of the story, like there's also this idea of how how you adapt King when when the source material is sh- is slight, right? Because K- King writes so many short stories and novellas that have turned into movies. He's got to be the most movie adapted short story writer of all time. I I think that I don't think there's there's any um, short story writer who's had as many films made out of short work as he has. But it's funny to watch how sometimes. And this is a Tom Holland movie. So like, what the fuck, Tom Holland? This is like the movie Child's Play could have so easily been if it was suckier first also. But I'm talking about a lot of things. God, I'll, <laughs> I'm going all over the place. So that's two for Carrie. Jackie and Joe, what do you guys, what do you guys think of? Uh, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I always, always, always play these March Madnesses in my head in the same way. I've got two movies in my hand. What do I want to watch? I don't mm. give a fuck about stature. I don't care about if X, Y, and Z wasn't here, then you know A, B, and C wouldn't exist. Like I base mine purely on I'm at the video store. I've got two movies in my hand. I I understand the hype around Carrie. It was his very first novel. It was adapted like two or three years later. This was the first one. You get fantastic performances. But like, it's never really done much for me. Like given the choice of like watch Carrie or like just watch this batshit insane thinner movie, which I, I think we all have probably a story about it. My, you know, one of my closest friends, Jenny, her and I growing up used to just run up to each other and go thin. And then it like <laughs> turned into like, fuck you. Like we did, like, I think everybody at some point had that story of like it's where fun. you would run up to one of your friends and like, you know, try to fuck with them. So. I'm, I'm going to go thinner. Again, this is based on two movies in my hands. What do I want to see go through? What am I going to watch on Friday night at Blockbuster? I'm going to watch thinner. Joe. God, this is so 
Jackie brings up a really good point because it's like we 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 shouldn't discount the like the the idea that like what is it that you just want to watch because it's like we we actually did so I mean what Carrie has going for it is the fact that there was a musical made out of Carrie so in my mind so <laughs> so that is the most Joe thing ever I'm Go just ahead. like I, I could say Carrie just because there was like a musical you know it's like you know do me a favor uh, we don't have the rights but it's fine um <laughs> But the, the thing about thing, don't worry. Never the thing about it though <laughs> is that like if I I, I kind of want to approach that because I, I had a I had no idea how I was going to approach like my my individual methodology for our madness but I think what I'll approach is like you know what am I going to show people what would I want to watch so it's like a hybrid of like Joshua and Jackie it's like what would I watch to like show people what horror could be so it's like yeah Carrie has like yeah Carrie has this. Um, this place especially among queer folks and like the idea of like the revenge like the ultimate revenge fantasy but like what i love about thinner is that like it looks like the town is cabot cove like it's very it's very murder she wrote with the boats in the background and all that stuff and and if i had to pick anything i was like I would I would pick it in terms of like let me show this to somebody and let them know that hey so yeah you think that this movie is going to be it this movie is fun but there's also these other things that are going to say about it so I was I was fully prepared at the beginning to say Carrie but like after hearing everybody I think I'm going to go thinner which means that <laughs> Marissa are you the are you the, the tiebreaker she becomes yeah. a tiebreaker, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm better here. I, I really didn't want to have to get involved until like ten rounds from now. Yeah, but you oh, put Carrie God. and Finner up against each other, like that's tough. Like in that, I get. I, I I'm know. I'm, I, I'm so surprised by the seedings of both of these. I was listen. I really tried not Finner to mess is with from the worst order. movie on this list. Oh my God, yeah. me. I mean. Remember, I broke them into two brackets. Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. That's right. This okay, one yeah, yeah. gets so this is... really low scores. I mean, thinner gets really low scores. Oh, you guys. Yeah. I mean, I definitely. Oh, that makes more sense. So, so really, yeah. this is more like in the mid 16, 17 ranking. Okay. Right. This is about I mean, 16, when you, 17. Like range. to be realistic, I mean, the the fat suit in the beginning, like, I mean, the as far as like the practical effects of this movie, you know. Yeah. Uh, I can well, see. I tell you what, the makeup held up. I rewatched it. This is one of the ones I watched again. I thought the makeup yeah. was pretty decent, better than I thought it was going to be. Maybe I have no expectations. So I, and, and it's also like the because like the, like I said, the thing I love about the Stephen King stuff is like the kind of weird wow, like the weird like the like the super out there like thing that happens in the plot so like with carrie it's like she has her period <laughs> and then all of a sudden she has psychic power and then in thinner it's like this this whole all of thinner would not have happened if his wife could have just waited to suck his dick like <laughs> when they got oh, home oh my god yeah, problematic <laughs> roadhead but like yeah, it's like, <laughs> roadhead like he doesn't like but but you got yeah both movies have issues for sure but you you watch this now and you're like, I mean, just this whole like magical gypsy thing. Oh my God. Like, and then he doesn't do any, like there's no care. Like he's guilty as a writer and, and Tom Holland's guilty as a director of the exact thing that the protagonists were supposed to be learning had done wrong. Like that he just doesn't even think of the idea that there's humans behind the premise of the movie. It's so weirdly meta in that way, right? 
Like, yeah. I almost feel like the filmmakers don't give a shit in the same way that the lead the lead doesn't give a shit. So I got to tell you, I will never speak an unkind word about Tom Holland. I just, I mean, he gave me fright school. Okay, I mean, fright school. Well, you gave me fright school. He gave me fright yeah. night, and yeah. I can't ever... Uh, but you know, I mean, that's fair. I listen. I I don't think anybody's going to be shocked by the fact that I'm going to choose Carrie. It's obviously a very important film and book in the canon of my personal uh, journey with horror. So it kind of doesn't. Uh, I agree with you guys though. Dinner is is on, especially compared to some of the other shit on this list. Is is hard to get rid of early. So I do get that. Um, so I, I think we should say our homage. Uh, Jeepsy, I will look upon your treasures. <laughs> what do you like? <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help my Borat reference. I know it's not appropriate. Um, <laughs> I just love, um, like I just love it's, Gus, it's Gus Portacalis, everyone. <laughs> from i was like i know that man <laughs> i gotta say I, and i hate to admit this um but i always get him and paul sorvino mixed up so for a hot second <laughs> oh my I was God, like, he's like he's short paul sorvino i was like wow i'm like did he, he really have a bad Paul's time after goodfellas like why is he doing thinner <laughs> it's unbelievable paul sorvino with abuelita hair marissa is oh terrifying <laughs> terrifying <laughs> It's like is the is the gypsy guy from Thinner Roddy from uh, Repo the genetic opera? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Man, um, do I wish. Uh, you know, Thinner. <laughs> I just want Paul Sorvino to be the gypsy from Thinner now so bad. <laughs> you know what? And I I always love a good gypsy. Uh, yes, I love a good gypsy. <laughs> no, I love. You know me, I, I'm all for like kind of the more villainous endings. So the ending of this film, um, I, I really enjoyed the fact that like, everybody gonna get it. Like, it's not just him getting his revenge. He has resigned himself once he realizes that his daughter ate the pie. He's like, well, fuck it, we're all gonna go. Like, we're all just gonna burn. And I, I have to, I have to give props to a villainous ending. You know that I like them more than kind of like a happy, a happy ending where everything kind of wraps up in a neat little bow and we'll get to that kind of ending later on in the bracket but um yeah I, I really I have to I have to say to me it's it's more entertaining and maybe that's not entirely fair maybe I've just seen Carrie too many times like I think there could be the issue of it's like it's really oversaturated with me I mean I've been watching Carrie for you know as, as many years as I've been watching horror movies so probably since you know the mid 90s of like middle school and high school it could just be that like I've seen Carrie so many times I'm like okay plug it up and then John Travolta's mean and then she's gonna go to prom and Tommy's really nice and here comes the blood and now there's fire and like I think that I, I could just be unfairly making that decision based on the oversaturation of Carrie for me Netflix or like streaming services need like a vocal uh, trailer, like description and that right there. Just you take that whole thing yes. and put it on Carrie. Ah, the blood. Nothing I'm like a Jack Josh, Jackie synopsis. The most underrated thing about Jersey Ghouls, the entire network, is Jackie synopsizing anything. She does no when I die, I'm going to hand Jackie a notebook with the events of my life in it. She can She's not going to read it. I know, blah, 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 and then there's fire. <laughs> yada, yada, blood. Um, I still think that the theme song for that, we should have just kept that. My <laughs> greatest failure, my greatest failure is not getting the Jackie synopsis jingle harder pushed at the beginning of this podcast so that it would be a thing now that you couldn't get rid of. I know. That's true. The, just in case you're curious, it was she didn't know the plot of the movie, but she'll get by on her big boobies was the first uh, 
part of it. We rhymed the movie with booby. Yeah. All right, so it looks like Carrie squeaks by thanks thanks to a uh, thanks to my intervention, I would say, and Athena uh, goes along the wayside. Dinner. I guess you. We cut Carrie first. I mean, I would have. Yeah, I would have. I would have quit. <laughs> I'd have been like, you know what? I Josh has to reevaluate I, his entire. I no, no. Thank no. God. I get I'm some sure even the hate mail. Point, we have people already <laughs> screaming. People oh, are right. already mm-hmm. screaming that it squeaked by. We understand. Yeah. All right, okay. you bunch of cockadooties. The next one is yes! Misery, uh, 1990, directed by Rob Reiner versus Sometimes They Come Back, the 1991 made for so TV boring. movie. It was so boring. Oh my I've very never hard seen Sometimes They Come Back. Fucking Lord. This was the first time I had seen Sometimes They Come Back, and I kept checking the time. I was like, wait, and I think what a Joe... Um, I think your comment was, I think it was you, Joe, that was like, can we stop doing the 30 year old high school students? Oh no, that was me. That's my <laughs> oh, favorite. Joshua. Okay. Yeah. The, That's yeah, my I'm, favorite you know, genre of horror I mean, movie. <laughs> it, this is early nineties. So me too, it's, me too. it's the thing. It's late eighties, early nineties. The 30 year old high school student is just what we need to accept, but it was so boring. So obviously misery. Can this, uh, you want to hear the worst part of this? This was my favorite movie at one point in my life because I oh, watched God, it. Please, I will, what, yes, what's the year? Us. What's the year? 91. Honestly. Okay, so I'm, I'm what in 91 when it showed on actual television? You were like 14. Yeah, and we I 10. fucking loved it. Yeah. What And, and, and I cannot, for the life of me, understand what the hell I was thinking. I think I so many that it was my favorite story in Graveyard Shift. And I was just like, oh, they made my favorite story a movie. Therefore, I am contractually obligated to love it. And I probably barely watched it the first time. I was just on this like, you 14 year old like euphoria of like my favorite story is because it is just so bad in every way a movie can be bad. I feel like is how you spent your entire teenage years. So that's you're fine. Um, Sometimes they come back again. That was an awesome short story though, right? I, mean, I loved like, it I when mean, I was a little kid. I don't I haven't read it in a while. I still do. It's in night shift. Right? I agree with you guys. Yeah, night shift. Yeah. Uh yeah, that shift, had a lot yeah. of fun and, stories in it. Oh my god, that was oh so my good. God, yeah. That that anthology. Also, can we say National Treasure Tim Matheson? Because oh. I love him in uh the West Wing. <laughs> so I was like all excited. I'll watch him. Oh, see, this is how out of touch um, I am. Yeah, I'm the, like, oh my god, I love Tim Matheson, Animal House. Like I don't know anything that oh, he no, does. That's like, fair. I truly I feel like I know I know I absolutely know him from other things but if I instantly have to think of Tim Matheson I'm like oh yeah Animal House no that's fair he ju- that jumps into my head too so I guess there's no there's no competition here right any any good words for sometimes um, they come back I will say that it's interesting to watch how making a movie for tv creates pacing like situations that we will never know again because even like there because there is no traditional TV like this whole like cliffhanger every twenty six minutes, like like literally when you watch that movie you're like shit they had to say, like they they made there's a lot of obviousness in that because there's a lot of television made movies in Stephen King's canon, but this one was especially I was especially aware of the like, dun, 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 like you know sitcom esque like pacing. Which, which is weird in a horror movie. All right, so we say goodbye to sometimes they come back. Um, I guess they're not and coming we back. Hope that they don't. Yes. <laughs> I'm just gonna say I'm here all day, you guys. You're your friendly neighborhood host. And on to the next one. Um, we are going to pit the 2017 it. 
against the 2016 cell. Do we are we considering it as both chapters one and two together? If that's okay with you guys, big? and that's what I, I in my head, that's what I did, but it's totally your call. You can do just the first movie. I'm gonna leave that up to you. I didn't see Cell, so I gotta sit out. You're in Marissa for this one. I didn't I didn't watch Cell. That's one of the five I didn't get to. I'll only jump in if I, I have to, which I shouldn't, because there's only three of you. So um take it away, guys. Uh, I mean, I'm gonna go with it. I do think Cell, like the novel is very interesting. I like how Stephen King, he's he's been very, it's interesting because he's like an older person. I think a lot of his work, it, it sort of has a technophobia streak in it, you know, kind of like about our technology, about, you know, obviously he likes living cars and trucks and things. And so I think Cell is very interesting, but the movie, where, what was my note I wrote? Um, Oh, it's like 5G bad, <laughs> like, you know, this whole, <laughs> like, it's, you know, I was like, oh, gosh, this is very interesting to, like, think about in the context of now, and, you know, we're probably going to do this on Fright School, because I think there's an interesting conversation to pull from it, but, um, yeah, in the terms of if I've got cell and it in my hand to go with, I, I actually really like that, Jackie, I think that's how I'm going to use kind of going forward if, if I'm conflicted or not sure. But yeah, I'm going to watch it. I'm not going to watch Cell again. That was so strange. That fake fire oh. and stuff. It's so weird. Just weird. As much as so bad. as much as I love um, Samuel L. Jackson and John Cusack, and I think this is in our group chat of like, we need to do more movies, remake more buddy films with just the two of them. Yeah. Um, just think <laughs> of like grumpier old men, but it's like Sam Jackson <laughs> and John Cusack. Um, I watching Cell, I, I couldn't help but every time I saw John Cusack, I couldn't help but think of his role in that movie about the guy from the Beach Boys. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, he's just kind of losing his mind. Um, but yeah, I just was thinking like, okay, I see why this, I see why um, I was like, okay, Stephen King is a grandpa who like is afraid of technology and the cell phones are killing people. Um, <laughs> so for me, it's it. Um, it. Uh, I have such nice fond memories of like, you know, the before time of sitting in a theater with Joshua watching it. So, you know, that I, I would probably go there only because. high ass brother. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it was just like, yeah, watching Cell was just like, it was very, you know, considering when it came out and it was like, it was very Walking Dead. It was very, um, I did like the one thing I will give Cell though, is the idea that like the, they were just like this flock of, and I thought that was really cool because I I hadn't seen that before, and I liked that that was a particular take. Like they weren't they weren't revenants, like they weren't dead, but at the same time, like they weren't truly alive, but they were this big hive mind and all of that. Um, so I did appreciate that, but um, I think I'm gonna go it on this one. Yeah, and, and I agree. Um, I but I have to say that I actually didn't. I didn't mind sell. It was my first watch for this. Um, I didn't. I didn't really mind it. It to me, it was like, you know, the zombie genre is is really kind of over and done. Like everything zombie, this zombie that. So I I can always say that like when there is somewhat of a different play on a zombie this wasn't an infection like you said they weren't dead coming back from grave this wasn't an infection like 28 days later like this was something a little bit different um and <laughs> uh but even with it having its flaws it it chapter two had a lot of flaws for me and i think that had this gone up against something else like i kind of already mentally prepared myself to use it chapter two against itself 
just because of <laughs> the way that it, 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 it chapter one I thought was fantastic and I know I'm going to be a giant hypocrite here because I know I said that you know I don't want to sit here and go well if this wasn't here then this didn't exist and we shouldn't use that clout but I I, I think I would be remiss in my duty as a horror fan <laughs> I said duty um, I would be remiss <laughs> in my duty as a horror fan not to see what it chapter one did for the genre like suddenly we have all these people that you know had never seen the 1990 miniseries had never read the book I remember being I mean we went to see it in the theaters and at the very end when that last screen came up and it said it chapter one I mean there were people going oh my god there's a chapter two like I remember people being <laughs> surprised that there was a chapter two so I mean it happened when the Halloween reboot came out like there was really this surge of new horror fans and I you know I I definitely always try my best not to be a gatekeeper so it's like I always want to be able to welcome newbies into the genre so I feel like that it chapter one did that for us I thought yeah. you know a lot of people saw this you know you've got this director that took one of the most is this his biggest book I think one of the biggest but I can't remember if this one or the stand is the, the stand is one. a little the, the uncut stand, stand I think is, is the longest I know yeah. that this one is but this, it is huge <laughs> yeah this one is big and and I and I have to say and we'll get into it later how much I love the 1990 miniseries to me watching this like I was one of the people that could absolutely pick out every single easter egg watching this and that's a reference to the first one and that's an actor that played a kid in the first one and there yeah. you know there's the Pennywise doll so like I said if it was up against something else I probably would hold chapter two against it but against the cell which I thought was it was okay. I didn't I really don't have too much good or too much bad to say about the cell but it's definitely a push for it. When you um, said biggest, Jackie, I thought you meant like best selling, which if I'm not, I think it is his best selling book, right? Oh, is it? Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. I, yeah, no, I, I meant so. length. I couldn't remember if stand or it was the yeah, it's so was long. The one largest so long. Yeah, yeah. But but it's interesting everything you said and thinking about the fact that, that that might be the Stephen King book that people are most familiar with. It's so true. All your points about the value of remaking that are so true. I didn't yeah. see the though I love Samuel L. Jackson explaining crap. I, I, Joe, you give me your money. Samuel L. Jackson and John Cusack together, I would, I would, I would subscribe to a streaming service of just them explaining crap to me. Like, Chad, yeah. Chad me read a shower thought to me the other day off of Reddit, and it said that if Samuel L. Jackson uh, was in the Harry Potter world, that he would have made Muggle Fucker a much more prominent ah. insult. <laughs> and then it became, you know. Get this muggle fucker Snape off the motherfucker train. <laughs> so yeah, now I want to see Samuel L. Jackson in uh, the Harry Potter universe. Oh my gosh, yes. Well, at this point, the way they keep mucking up the Harry Potter universe, I won't even be surprised. Um, I will say that the Cell book is one of my favorite of the more recent Stevie King books. In fact, there's a couple of books that I really like. Um, like I, I was actually kind of bummed when I heard they were doing Lisey's story because I freaking love that book. It's one of my favorites of his like newer ones. Um, so I was mad at, at how not good Cell was. I was so excited for it because uh, the book was so good. But yeah, that's fair, you guys. All right, so It 2017 moves on and we say goodbye uh, and hang up the phone on Cell. I'm here all day for these, you guys. Next round, Gerald's Game. Netflix movie by National Treasure, Mike Flanagan, and um, who also we're going to see again for Dr. Sleep, of course, and he did all the Haunting of Hill House in Bly Manor, um, and starring Carla Gugino of uh, Hill House versus 
Tommy. Oh, knocker. Sorry, I fell asleep because I was watching the movie again. <laughs> what is happening? Are you you're like trying to like sway the vote here? No, I I'm sorry. Know. I'm so um, sorry. I don't shake your head. I'm sorry. Tommy no. Knockers is a great book. <laughs> Tommy uh, Knockers is a great title. I don't know about that, but oh, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, Joey. Sorry. No, sorry. Tommy Knockers is a great title. What a what a waste of a title, man. Holy yeah. shit. And the best porn title of all the Stephen yeah. King. You know, but that it, is a good point. What an I've awful. never considered that. <laughs> How can a movie with Jimmy Smith and Tracy Lords be that bad? Uh, you tell me. I you love seeing her early in the morning to make those two national treasures suck. Yeah, right, so I'm I, assuming you're for Gerald's game, Joe. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely for Gerald's game as well. Tommy Knockers, I think I sent to the group chat that I'm like, man, I've been watching this for five hours, but it's only been 80 minutes. I was so sad i would looked at my i'm like what i know i've been laying here forever yeah i remember when that was new you know and be and, mm -hmm. and obviously every every stephen king movie when you were like a 90s kid was a fucking event you know yes. and and again because it was like the one thing our family did together you know besides scream and yell and fight you know was like sit down and watch a new stephen king movie so of course when i was younger i thought it was like cool you know and interesting i mean gosh what year was that again um 90 god i think i was only probably seven or eight when it came out and you know being like oh the alien design is kind of creepy and cool um you know but it's re-watching it again i'm like this is so this is so terrible how did i sit how did we all sit through this and then i well, it was the 90s like what else were we gonna do <laughs> It's so true though, Josh. It's like, it really speaks to the fact that you were just captive to whatever was cool because you were afraid to not watch something back then, right? right? Because you didn't want to be the only one who didn't know. So even if it sucked, you had to watch it to know how it sucked. And it brought back all those shitty memories for me, this one for sure. Yeah. And because other kids couldn't like, this is why I'm always like the, I was always like the teacher's pet, quote unquote, because none of the other kids could watch these movies. So I did. And then I talked about it with the teacher. <laughs> did you, <see> the <laughs> did you the watch the X-Files? <laughs> yeah. We talked about the X-Files and shit. Yes. Like other kids were not talking about this. So like, this is why I'm so alienated from my. Oh my view. God. I do that with my students all the time. I'm like, so who watches WandaVision y'all? Cause we need to talk. And like, whoever that kid is, they're my new favorite. <laughs> no spoilers. You know, oh, you have to never. like say that to them. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I will never yeah, forget watch everything so much faster. Oh my God. It's so true. I yeah. will never forget the kid who ruined the final uh, Avengers movie for me. Like just looked me right in the eyes and just blurted out everybody who died. Oh, I was just like, oh. <laughs> like I was like arguably the most hurt I've ever been by a student in my life. <laughs> I was just crushed. Um, got, uh, so we got, uh, that's two for Gerald's game. Um, I'm also for Gerald's game as well. Um, it was just, I couldn't shake it. And so, so like I watched Gerald's game. Um, I was, I was hanging out with my special man friend. He was working from home and I was not, and I was watching it on my, on my laptop while he was at the, at the table while he was working. And he kept looking over at me and being like, what is happening? And I was like, <laughs> you you have no idea um like because like gerald's game is also like his worst nightmare like the idea of uh because like i was also thinking about that too like the idea of like just being um being like bound and not being able to get out and then 
all of the weird stuff that kept happening after all of that stuff and the so cringy and like I had to like I learned the word degloving um (laughs) which was great so um Gerald's game for me although I will say I don't work there anymore but I used to work at a hotel and Carla Gugino stayed at our hotel and she apparently was not a nice person but that's okay that's a bummer that is that's okay she was the mom from Spy Kids so (laughs) Like, sit down, Carla. You're not that, yeah, B-list I was like, sit down, okay? (laughs) Like, you know, we had, um, who do we have? We had Andrew Lincoln from from The Walking Dead, and apparently he was much nicer than Carla G. He just said, thanks, love, to everybody who did stuff for him, which was very British. That is very British. Uh, you're a better person than I am because if 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 Matt was horrified by something I'm watching, like he usually is, I'd be like, I want to like mess with him. You didn't mess with him. You weren't like, come here, I got some handcuffs. Like, yeah, I, was totally like, like <laughs> I did. I did. I was like, I was like, oh my god, I forgot that so much. I was like, she. So this is how much of like a food person, how much cooking shows I watch. When she was cutting up that steak and was going to give it to the dog, I was like, that is fucking Wagyu beef. Like you are. (laughs) And then he comes out and says the exact same thing. I'm like, fuck, I I guess I identify with Gerald in this, in this whole movie. That part of the movie just fucked me up. I was screaming at the screen. Like, what are you doing? There's no hand washing at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was pre-Rona, Joe. They didn't know. They didn't. No, it's pre uh, raw beef diseases, mad cow, and salmonella. The salmonella. The salmonella. Sal, salmonella. <laughs> My buddy Sal. The salmonella wafers. <laughs> Jackie, what do you think? Tommyknockers. I yeah. did not like Gerald's game. You didn't? No, right, we'll it was PTSD it. We'll mixed with PTSD sprinkled in with a little bit of white privilege at the end. Like when she walked into that courtroom and like, you know, the judge was just like, okay, white woman, you go ahead and you do you. And then she's just like, I'm not afraid of you anymore. And then it was just like, she walked out like no problem walking to, oh. I tried to watch this movie like three times and was so fucking bored. It literally took three times to watch this movie. And I kept going when she was in the bed, Bitch, stand up, stand up. Worked. It, you have much more strength standing up than you do sitting down like this. You could stand up. Like, I'm sorry, if I'm in that position, I'm gonna start fucking roundhouse kicking everything I can. I'm putting my weight into it. I, this movie drove me mad. I did nothing but make fun of this movie the entire time it was on. So I, I will put down, I understand that it's losing, but I'm going to put down my little marker for Tommy. Wow. I love that. That's, you know, yeah, yeah. That is a, uh, you know, you have a strong uh, psychology socially, you know, because you're not going to like, fuck these guys. I'm going with my choice. And I actually think you're going to be so helpful because already looking at this list, I'm like, how are just out of these four, how am I going to pick the best out of these four (laughs) that we've already got to Jackie's going to be so valuable when it comes to that. Like, no, listen, here's the (laughs) fucked up shit about I know this masterpiece of a movie you love. It's going to be so helpful. And Jackie's so badass that she was yelling to her, stand up, stand up, because I was yelling, cry, cry and die, cry and die. I would just want to die immediately. Just die and cry a lot while I was dying. And, and I love how different we are because at the end I was like, yeah, girl, score one for the women. Like, I was so excited <laughs> that she was able to. So, yeah, no, that's fair. I love you for your strong opinions, um, even if they are wrong. Anywho, no, I'm just kidding. I'm totally joking. I love you. All right. Next up on the list. 
is 2007's The Mist, directed by Frank Darabont, versus 1984's Firestarter. Firestarter. Fuck versus the Mist. Prodigy. Fuck the Mist and fuck organized religion. Firestarter. <laughs> Are you? This movie got me so fucking mad. It really did. It really that's did. That's the point, though. Like, that's it's emotionally. Yeah, no. Fuck organized religion. That's right. what this movie is. My favorite line is when Andrea from The Walking Dead sees everything yeah. that's going on and she goes, it's been two days. <laughs> it's exactly what this fucking cult brainwashing mentality is. Half the reason the country is in the state that it's in because we have this cult mentality and it starts with organized religion because that's where we learn this bullshit. And then we carry that over into everything else. Firestarter. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm, I'm done. Preach, girl. Preach. Wait, it's, yeah, but I'm so hard. I'm so hard for you right now, Jackie. Like, right? Don't you just want to do dirty things to her when she gets like that? I love it. I mean, like, I'm I'm a gay homosexual, so take that for what you will. But I'm just like, I just love, I just love a woman with a strong opinion. Okay, that's like. Aren't you also Catholic though? That might have a lot to do with this. I mean, you know, I mean, Recovery. you know, I can just, you know, covering is a good word. We're all recovering Catholics in this call. I think. Um, except Joshua, right? Uh, yeah, I'm a Southern Baptist, recovering Southern Baptist. Oh my God, that, I don't know which is worse. <laughs> uh, yeah. Catholic I, church, probably. <laughs> the Catholic, yeah, the Catholics seem to have a lot more power over society. Oh my I God, think, at least we to think some we extent. Uh, but the Southern Baptist, they're scary. That was mm. a scary, scary faith to grow up with. So yeah, yeah it was, I saw some uh, psycho stuff. So, so like, Jackie, I hear you. I hear you. I, do too. I, I I hear you. But like, everything that you hate about it is the reason why I love it because I'm like yeah. this like recovering Catholic. So it's just like I see the whole religion thing. Marsha Gay was giving you like her best unhinged woman, um, and this was like before she played uh, <laughs> Christian Grey's mom on uh, on um, Fifty Shades 50 of Grey. <laughs> Um, I also just love the idea that like we did get to see the aliens or like you know the underdimensional yeah. beings or whatever because I thought we weren't I thought that was yeah, yeah this like Lovecraftian thing I also for this reason um, I also love how shitty the ending is as well like I'm just like yeah. because it constantly yeah. when we watched this last year um, we watched this last year uh, for Fright School and we watched it and it was like early pandemic. So <laughs> I'm already thinking in my mind, like I'm already di like, di you know, going into like the psychosis of being in a pandemic. And I'm just like, oh my God, like what, like if he had held out for a little bit and I just like, I, I struggled with the ending. Cause it's like, what are you trying to tell us? Like, what are you trying to tell us this entire time? It's like, Oh, hold out more for hope or like, you know, he, all those people died, but like their suffering was ended. Cause who knows what happens after that? So I, I would say everything that you said is, is right and valid and true. And I feel the same way, but it's because of that is why I'm choosing the mist. Sure. Um, Firestarter I thought was fun. Um, I, I I found that like when I start to like check out of a movie is when I is as I'm watching I start recasting the reboot in my head. Uh, <laughs> Zach Efron is playing the dad. It's that it's like Zach Efron's Blumhouse. the dad. Blumhouse um, is working on it right now. Oh my Zach gosh, Efron. I was say I was like Jason Blum. Give Whatever. me five minutes and I will tell you. Um, yeah. I did love all of the like hair choreography that the debt like the apparently the psychic power won't work <laughs> unless he like runs his hair through his like his hand through his luxurious hair. Um, like a fucking per plus commercial. Yeah, exactly. Right. I was like, it's like herbal essences, but like, <laughs> you know, 
Um, and also, like, <laughs> Heather Locklear, like, we had a Heather Locklear moment. We had, like, this is why Drew Barrymore, like, obviously this movie is why Drew Barrymore started doing cocaine at that age because, like, it's, she is so precocious and I'm just like, you know, this is where, if this was, like, new Firestarter, it would be, like, two lesbian moms and it would be Jacob Tremblay as, uh, <laughs> Um, <laughs> as Charlie as Charlie exactly um but yeah I I think I and also I was like Martin Sheen I just randomly Martin Sheen um but yeah there's a lot for of me- random Martin Sheen and Stephen <laughs> King as we're watching I'm oh like, my god why is the Esteveses are popping up everywhere I love it <laughs> so it's it's a uh, it's the mist for me <laughs> all right so we got one and one uh Joshua and Yoey uh, I'm going the mist as well for the same reasons that Joe and the mist. I, I really like it. I do think it's, I, I like that the ending is also very tragic. I think it's one of the few that Stephen King has been like, they improved it. <laughs> you know, they made it better. Uh, mm-hmm. Cause that's not the ending in the book. I think it's more ambiguous um, or the novella, whatever. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, fire started, we watched it yesterday. Um, so I was like really right up to the minute here. On, on, on I watched some this morning, no judgment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting through getting through the films. Um, you know, it's fun. I remember seeing it as a kid. My mom really liked it too growing up. I remember that it being, um, she would say, oh, you know, I love that Firestarter movie, you know. So I do have some like, you know, um, uh, oh shit, what's the word? Nostalgia. <laughs> yeah, nostalgia, but like that sympathetic or like attachment, emotional attachment. Yeah, yeah. Like that yeah. kind of thing. But The Mist, I- I'm definitely going to watch The Mist over Firestarter. Yeah, um, so uh, it's up to me, right? I, I, um, I, I'm so confused by Jackie's comments because I, I feel like that, that, that Vim and Vigor is why I, I liked The Mist Act 1 and 2 a lot. Now I will... I, I have a lot of strong opinions about the ending of the mist and it it's I'm gonna go with the mist as well so I'll save those because it'll be up again yeah, later. Save it for later but um Firestarter mm-hmm. just just didn't hold up like I, so Firestarter is a movie that I had not seen since I was a kid and I loved it and I would tell anybody I loved it and then it's just bananas when you rewatch it like the the cuts <laughs> are like 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 you know Tiger TV like made it like it's just they're just all over the place. I never realized how how commercially all the close-ups were or just how <laughs> awful the special effects were. So it was just really hard to, to do. So everything uh, Josh and Joe said, I'm not going to repeat them. But what's funny, I, I think what Joe said was like, you realize that this is why Drew Barrymore was so coked up when she was a kid. I think the coked up was why like Drew Barrymore was getting these roles. <laughs> I think they were literally like, she's not even that good. I think they were literally like, get the girl who'll just do coke. <laughs> On set, you know, bring her in. Well, <laughs> I just the whole movie is just her like looking around. I don't, I don't know. What now we're now we're never gonna get Drew Barrymore on the show. No, I, you know what? I had that. She loves thought. talking about that. Even time even though that I voted for Firestarter, I do have to say like she was i don't understand how she kept having a career like she was not good in this like the She's cute little gertie from et was gone and it was just like i feel like she could cry on command and that's why people kept casting her because she could cry on command mm. and oh yeah well there's that whole barrymore thing that you know oh, so yeah, I have well, a- uh, yeah that's true too I, like yeah no i definitely agree with that i de- there was nothing about the movie that felt like it worked for me and i loved it so much i would have told you a week ago that i loved that movie and nothing stayed strong. So yeah, the mist, which I is, I have a lot of problems with, but we'll wait. I do think that um, 
Firestarter fell victim to a bad director because the director of that is only ever, the only other things he's known for are Schwarzenegger's Commando and Class of 1984, which are both. Wasn't um, it supposed to be Carpenter? It was. Carpenter? It was Carpenter. Yeah. Which, oh man, I wonder. Would, no. uh, yeah, what could that have looked like? You know, mm-hmm. but yeah, Carpenter walked off, right, or left pre-production. No, there was like a. I think there was like a conflict with the schedule. Yeah, but they wanted to, they filmed it somewhere. Like, I don't remember, but yeah, there was like some weird. I was reading about it. Yeah. Um, whatever. I Regardless, he did not yeah. do it, which is unfortunate. We were which I think that. is part of what. Yeah, so, what it's so up. So Mark Lester did bring us Armed and Dangerous with John Candy. So you know, there's that. I don't know that I've ever seen that one. Yes. All right. Have. So the the the, the mist squeaks through. Uh, next round, Cujo from 1983 versus Rose Red from 2002. Um, well, so Rose Red is the only one I didn't get all the way through. I was watching. I was in the third part right before this. Um, uh, but I I'm gonna say hands down Cujo anyways. Like I I I do not like dogs. <laughs> Maybe Cujo's is a reason, uh, but I really like it, it, the novel is so intense. I, I really do like the movie. Again, yeah, it's one that doesn't necessarily uphold wonderfully, but it's a, an intense movie. Um, and I just, I don't know. I think it's more. I, I don't think Rose Red is very creative. It's very Shirley Jackson. It's very Winchester yeah. House. It's very The Haunting. We've seen these movies a lot. It didn't bring anything else to it, um, you know. But taking man's best friend, blah blah, and turning him into this like monster that causes the death of a child in the novel, uh, is like, whoa, that's playing with some American like love of you know of this animal. And I, I just you know the film also obviously has that in it too so um and it's a d wallace right which i mm-hmm. love her i just seeing her in anything always makes me <laughs> happy so yeah cujo for me one of the few dogs i do love <laughs> <laughs> spoken like a true cat person joshua <laughs> uh, i'm gonna go with rose red um, okay uh, there is some some you know nostalgia goggles for it uh we talked about it in the chat cool. that you know when marissa and i were in college it was the big event and we and actually the roommates we all sat down and and everybody else was like covering their eyes and pissing themselves and marissa and i were you know hooping and hollering and we were so excited and like look there's a ghost in the background and <laughs> like it was rose red was like it was an event like we like got popcorn we did the whole nine so i do have a lot of you know and i agree with everything joshua said it is it's a very overdone plot like very much so um my honestly with with Cujo I think it falls a little bit victim to what Carrie falls for me Mm. where it's just the oversaturation Mm. and um I have to say and I and I had said it in the chat and I'll I'll take all of the fun y'all want to make of me but like I'm a devoted dog mama so like just the idea of like what (laughs) they had to do to get the dog like in my mind like the thought of my dog getting hurt like that and then becoming rabid. And then I'm like, well, how did they get the dog to do that? And was the dog comfortable with all that shit on his face? And and I'm sure it was a trained animal and, and I'm sure it was fine and there was no cruelty, but who knows? I don't know. Like it just, I, I kind of just inserted my dog into that role and it just made me so sad. So I'm just like, <laughs> no, not my baby. Not my baby. Never. <laughs> That's very interesting. I, I, I appreciate that perspective because I, I don't I don't have that. Yeah. And I didn't have that with like sleepwalkers, for instance, which has lots yeah. of cat <laughs> killing, you know. But go ahead. Sorry, Joe or Joey. <laughs> I am um, I didn't I gotta admit, I'm not gonna vote because I didn't make it all the way through Rose Red, but I was so pleasantly surprised by my rewatch of Cujo 
and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll talk it off a little bit if it's not going to make it, but it was one of, I feel like, like a little bit of a Debbie Downer because I'm going to say a lot that I was disappointed with rewatches, but this is a rewatch that really, really held up for me. Um, and I, I, I definitely have opinions as to why it is. I don't understand. I'm always baffled by America's fascination with animals. Like, I, you know, I, I have the capacity to love. Sorry, Jackie, I can feel you're getting mad at me from all the way over there. But I, de you know, up until a couple months ago, I was a single dad, father of four. I can definitely love some living things. But man, people and dogs, there's definitely something there <laughs> to look at. It really, there really is quite a cultural phenomenon of people's love of dogs. So I, maybe it was that was partly it, just that that idea holding up so well culturally now. But um, I, I don't think it's fair for me to vote Kudrow because a, a Kudrow, Lisa Kudrow, the Lisa Kudrow story, the <laughs> biopic, Stephen King's biopic, <laughs> Lisa Kudrow. Um, I'd watch, but uh, I because I didn't see enough of Rose Red. I just thought it was really boring at the beginning. Yeah, Joe, it's uh, I see. So Rose Red, uh, this is interesting. So like Cujo. I saw for the first time for Fright School. Um, I think we watched it with my boyfriend who is a huge dog person. And so I remember telling him, I'm like, like, just so you know, I don't know what's happening in this movie, but it's a movie and there's a dog in it and it's probably going to be triggering or whatever. Um, but I, I actually, the, the whole opening thing about like, oh, it's not Cujo's fault. Like he was bitten. He has rabies. Like he has a disease. It's not his fault. Um, it's like a zombie movie, but like it's a it's like an actual disease. Um, I will be voting. <laughs> what's funnily enough, I am going to vote Rose Red only because it was the first, like my earliest memories of horror. Um, like the first movie I ever saw in a movie theater was The Ring, but the first like horror thing that I ever kind of clearly remember watching was like the Rose Red miniseries and how much of that an event that was. And for me, like. I watch all of the haunted house trope stuff later in life. So, but I always go back to like Rose Red as like, oh, now I understand it because, and that was at the, like, I think that came out around the time, same time, like um, that Catherine Zeta-Jones haunting movie came out. Um, a few years. Yeah. It was like 99, 98. And then Rose Red came out in 2002. Yeah. One. So I Somewhere think, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, and I so, remember yeah, just thinking, time. I remember just thinking like that this was really like, I don't know why just being captivated by it, but also just like being completely terrified and it taking me a couple times to like actually get through the whole thing. Um, plus it's also like the golden, um, like the early golden age, I should say of like those TV miniseries that were just a few episodes. Cause like you have like the 10th kingdom and Merlin and all that stuff. And I thought Rose red was such a cool thing. Um, plus, I mean, it's got Marnie in it. <laughs> got Marty from Halloween Town. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it's Rose Red for me. Wow. All right. Uh, just remember all the fan mail, the hate mail can go to Fright School. That's frightschool.com. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Kujo's um, ups, our big, our first big upset. Our maybe? first big, I would argue our first huge upset here. Yeah, is yeah this is definitely the first big one. And guys, also like, I honestly would like, I mean, like I love the kind of like mythology of Rose Red. Like I'm always about like the mythology of it. Yeah. Plus, like again, if it was if I'm holding both in my hand, I probably would want to watch Rose Red more than I would want to watch Cujo. So that's, there we go. that's fair. Yeah. Um, you guys mind if I make a couple? Oh, good, Marissa. Looks like you were gonna make that. Oh no, no. I was just gonna say for me, like I I was excited for Cujo. Um, 
just because it's such a pure, like to me, it's one of those stories that's so, you know, you say that there are problematic stories in his canon and I agree, but this one is so like purely uh, well done in its storytelling. I, I, we had the pleasure of hanging out with Dee Wallace and Danny Pintora and they were both little national treasures. Um, and I think that it's, it's just a, a good movie. It, it, I'm surprised at how well it held up. And I'm also really, um, would argue that when it comes to good storytelling, this is one of King's best. But go ahead, yeah, Joe. Say I, what you gotta I, say. I agree so much, and I'm actually so mad at myself that I didn't just sit through goddamn. Yeah, this is your fault. Hours of Rose Red, it was so I could have kept Cujo alive because I just I loved uh, revisiting Cujo. Um, first of all, in Spain, Cujo was released as El Perro Maldito, so there's that, which uh, on its own, which I just think is awesome that they just called the movie basically what they that dog. <laughs> Battle bad dog, which um, is ironic because anyway. he's that little. <laughs> so so often I think King goes big and he goes so big and he go that he gets too he goes too big and then he paints himself into a corner. He's so idea driven that he that his he has a definite act three problem, right? Because he just can't right. figure out how to come back. So in Cujo, both in the novel and in the book, he stays so close. And and I just wish he had that um discipline in for more of his career i wish movies adapted that as well this movie had an excellent cp the shots are so good the slow burn works in a way that like a lot of these other movies from a pacing perspective don't work as well but at the end of the day i just love that like really tight lens on the nuclear family it's a little bit obvious the like tropes of like you know how rabies is almost like infidelity and the dog is like the symbol of like what the nuclear American family should be. And here we have the mom and the son and sort of being tracked in by the idea of family. Um, I'm definitely gonna admit to you that some of these stories hit with me more because of the place I am in my life, but I don't wanna get too, uh, you know, like Oprah for Jersey Ghouls, but you know, I'm at a point in my life where I'm sort of- You can come do that on Fright School. We love that. <laughs> okay, come good. right on over. And... Gosh, I feel like Fright School is definitely more the forum for me, not for, you know. <laughs> They have a lot of feelings over there. Yeah, this is true. There's lots of feelings. I have a lot of feelings, Josh and Joe. A lot of feelings. Um, But anyway, and sometimes Jackie and Marissa just make fun of me. Um, But anyway, (laughs) the truth is, is that I I really related to this idea that beating down the doors is a notion of what you're supposed to do with a family and your life. And then when that goes awry it feels as if that's that that is coming at you with this with this absolute terror that Cujo represents that theme it, in a canon of work that is so tropey and in a canon of work that is so heavy-handed that theme just hit pitch perfect for me it made perfect sense it wasn't too much i found myself thinking about it after i watched the movie and that's my jackie's like which one do i pick which i love but for me it's definitely like Two days later, what movie am I daydreaming and thinking about? And Cujo did that to me all over again. So I just loved it. I had it ranked so high on my list. But que sera, sera. That's what the tourney. That's why we play the games, baby. That's why you're supposed to watch all the movies, you, you ding dong. I know. Also, I, mean. I, would, I would like to also suggest that Donna Trenton is an excellent, strong female protagonist from the Stephen King canon. Um, so I kind of want to challenge you on that idea that there are a lack of strong women in King novels because to be honest with you having grown up with all this stuff people like Donna Trenton, Franny from The Stand people like like I these were so much more evolved I thought 
I'm sorry, I thought that was sarcasm because I definitely think that there's a ton of like, you know, I mean, that's the problem with The Shining is that Wendy is not the woman not the, who in she the book, be, right. you know? And I mean, you've Free. got, Right. You know, Carrie. misery and Dolores yeah. Claiborne I mean, and Carrie. Right. So I thought and I thought we were joking earlier when we said oh, I was shit. Like, obviously okay. there I don't is know. a lot of oh, okay. I was um, like, there are a lot of great there women. There's so in- many great women. I think that's something <laughs> and that's something I always loved about Cujo too, is that she's such a badass. And now as a mom, like to see a badass mom, I'm always like, Yeah, girl, get it. Because a lot of times I feel like when you become a mother, you kind of lose some of that badassness. Um, and so it's it's nice to kind of cling on to that. But yeah, that's an upset. Um, so Rose Red moves on. The next one I'm so excited for 1984's children of the cord versus 1992's sleepwalkers we're getting to that middle, <laughs> that middle of the <laughs> no oh, this is oh, really shit. okay let other people talk first Good i've Lord. got a lot of sentimentality so okay it's be Go ahead, Josh. oh no i mean i don't know what to say yet because i have i kind of want to hear everybody's arguments well <laughs> I have a I have a lot to say about Children of the Corn. I don't have a lot to say about Sleepwalkers. It just didn't it didn't work. I mean, it's like right. It's in the Tommy Knockers category for me. I just and and uh, this is Garris, right? Yeah. Yeah. Keep boy. There's something about his direction and Stephen King, but I'll let I'll let other people. Maybe I'm I, I might not I might not be the right person to say it. I, I to me, it's Children of the Corn. Strangely, which is a movie I didn't think I'd be voting for. But I vote for Children of the Court. I just said that. I vote it's, for Children Isaac of the Court. Isaac scares me to this day, so I don't want to hear nothing from nobody about, about Children of the Court. Um, I, I know what you're going to say about Mick Garris, uh adaptations, but let's hold off till we get to the next Mick Garris adaptation. Um, uh, Jackie, what are you thinking uh, here? Th- these are both like super middle of the road for me. Um, probably vote Children of the Corn just uh, as a more effective horror movie. And that would kind of be really all I've got to it. Like looking at the plot of both movies, incest is gross. So, you know, <laughs> it's an important thing. It is. So let's go. Uh, I cast my vote for Children of the Corn. Um, I, so incest is gross. Um, the like the odd like kind of like Glenn Shaddix is like the rapey teacher like whatever is kind of gross as well um Children of the Corn was a movie that I was actually really engaged for but I couldn't help but like recast it in my mind just because of all the little little minions running around um and the score was really oddly enough I thought the score was like both really affecting and also like really hokey it was like la 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 like yeah. oh god oh, this- see, you, can, yeah, you can't go wrong with like little kids singing in a horror movie yeah, like, yeah. that <laughs> always like amps it up a notch um so for me it's children of the corn um, I know I kind of know where Josh was gonna go with Sleepwalker. It's really a little excited. bit. What? No, well, I mean, well, a lot. I, I'm sorry, Josh. Joe, I have no. a lot of notes about the score in Children of the Corn too. I don't know. I don't know why it affected me so much, but I just wanted to say I'm with you. Yeah. No. I. Yeah. Obviously. Okay. So obviously, I do think Children of the Corn is the superior film. Uh, I, I. You know. I mean, just on paper. Uh, so I will cast my vote for that, and then I will just say saying goodbye to Sleepwalkers. Um, you know, cat. First of all, they're cats, so you know that's how it goes. And you people with dogs probably know, like people breed their animals all kinds of horrible ways. So whatever, um, <laughs> it's just nature. Uh, but regardless of that, I just really love like the design, the cat monsters. It was very interesting to have this like cat centric horror film that wasn't strays. I don't know if anybody remembers seeing. Str- 
straight. I can't even. It's so ah, <laughs> such a strange movie. I don't know, but it's it might be my watch tonight. <laughs> oh, God. I think it's on YouTube. It's just Bonkersville, and it, it's like you know stuffed animals. Uh, anyways, um, so oh, I'm I do... out. Never mind. Take it back. I'm no, I mean that. they look like it. They look oh, like the cats in it. Look like stuffed animals. <laughs> Um, but no, yeah, I, I, I just have always kind of had a special place in that. I loved seeing, you know, um, who it's Alice, what is her name? She plays the Borg queen, Alice Krieg, Krug. Yeah, I know her from Silent Hill, but yeah, yeah, I like that actress I can't remember her name. I do like her. I think she's usually very effective in the role she plays. She's very good. Yeah, yeah. And then we have, um, um, oh gosh, what's her name? Mad. Chen Amik. Amik. I can never say her name. So I don't know. There's just a lot about the movie that I like, just as like a stupid popcorn movie. Yeah. Put on and watch. It's just kind of ridiculous. It, it does, obviously, Otho being in it was also when I was like, you know, eight or nine. I'm like, oh my God, it's Otho from Beetlejuice, which yeah. I'm wearing a Beetlejuice t shirt. So it's like, you know. Your there's... fun fact last night blew my mind, by the way. Sorry. I just wanted to. Oh, about Madonna's out. Chihuahuas? Madonna's. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how they were friends, but That's they were so friendly. Funny. And I she, pictured yeah. him stealing them. I was like, oh, no, no. That's hilarious. <laughs> Creeping actually. up. Yeah. yeah. In he his was pro- suit. Uh, Glenn Shaddix was probably like really close with Christopher Ciccone. Like that That seems more likely. Because... Maybe, but uh, the, the story is, is that they knew each other, Madonna and he, and she, um, he took her, her dogs when, uh, when uh, Rocco, I think it was when Rocco was born. Whatever. Um, it's such an odd trivia fact, but um <laughs> Yeah, so just, I just have sentimentality for it. I just think it's such a weird movie. I like the dim thing. I, I just like a lot of the ideas of of it. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I would definitely just say Children of the Corn is is superior and kids, yeah, are freaking creepy. And I love the like, <laughs> he who walks behind the rose. I like names like that, like phrases like that, I think are creepy, so. We're almost through the first column though, which is exciting. The final bracket on the uh, half one cool. is no pun intended, The Dark Half from 1993, directed by a one George Romero, mm-hmm. versus Needful Things, the 1993 made for TV, directed by, I don't know, he's a Heston though, so fuck him. Um. <laughs> <laughs> this one's really, really tough because I I really, really liked both of these. I know. So this That's one's going to be really difficult for me. So again, Needful Things versus The Dark Half. I'm out. I didn't watch either one. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no. That's it. That's the end of it. I had five. I couldn't get to. Sorry. So, Wait till yeah. you find out. He didn't get to Dr. Sleep. I told him. I was like, there was nothing I can do. I literally sleep. couldn't get it anywhere. I don't oh, know why. Oh, that is too bad because it's actually really um, not bad. Um, I agree. I agree. Um, all right. So, so it's down to you guys for this one. The dark half of my notes are so funny. I tried to like take notes on things and then they just end up so dumb. My first note is Beth Grant with an exclamation point. He takes Um, notes like I do. And then (laughs) psychopomps and weird. (laughs) So I don't know what to make of that. I, 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 my vote's going to go to needful things. I just like it better. Bonnie Bedelia. um, Love Bonnie Bedelia. I love her. I like the concept more. Uh, The dark half is one of those movies that I just avoided because it had like a male protagonist. It's so terrible. My misandry is showing. I never read the book. I never, you know, because I was just like, I picked it up. I looked at it. I'm like, I don't care about this. I get it. It's like another one of those, like, you know, Stephen King, you know, do I do we just say Stephen as well? Are we all on first name? Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, oh, yeah, Stephen, he's uh, you know, he's got lots of anxieties as a writer and as a you know, um, 
so that kind of, you know plays into this a little bit which you know i like uh but yeah needful things for me that's where i'm gonna go i would i would watch that in a heartbeat over the dark half and i'm not trying to watch either of them again <laughs> by the time i got to these films i was a little over the like tortured writerness of things even though i do love me i do love me some timothy hutton um yeah so i for me it's needful things as well oh okay yeah, I mean, I'll, yeah. I'll follow suit with that. I honestly really liked both of these movies. I I had seen Needful Things a long time ago and I, you know, uh, I'd never seen The Dark Half. Um, yeah, I love Timothy Hutton. He's just so goddamn adorable. And I thought he did a very good job playing both characters um, because they were, mm. you know, it wasn't just like, oh, okay, this is Timothy Hutton. And then this is the other Timothy Hutton with like a leather jacket and he's kind of angry. Like he played him very, very differently. I thought that was very effective. Um, but yeah, I'll go with the flow on Needful Things because I'm very middle of the road. Like this is a tough choice to pick one or the other. And I will just, I'll go needful things I thought was really awesome. I always like to see Ed Harris not be a villain. I like when Ed <laughs> Harris plays a guy that always makes me happy. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly good with needful things taking a sweep. Fair enough. I will admit, interestingly, Joshua, this is like, Dark Half is like one of the very few Stephen King books I've never read either. It just yeah. never jumped out at me. Although uh, the other day when I got home from the doctor and found out I have to go get MRIs because of my hearing issue, I was like, dude, what if it's a twin I ate when I was in the womb and now it's evil? And, and Matt was like, what the hell is wrong with you? I was all excited. I was like, I'm going to pull a Dark Half. Evil yeah, versus. Marissa, maybe we should talk after the podcast. About <laughs> All right, so while we made it through the West Coast, we're going to travel to the East. We're going to get out our finest uh, gabagool and our uh, mutual, and we're going to head to the next round of our bracket. Hey, everybody. We're going to head to the next round of our bracket next week. Seeing as how this episode is almost an hour and a half, we're going to give our tired little editing fingers a break. So please tune in next week for part two of our 32 bracket for our 2021 March Madness Stephen King edition. And I'll take just a quick second to thank everybody who is participating with us this year. Head over to joecostal.com to see everything that Joe is doing, what he's up to, and where you can find him. You can also search Fright School on social media. Find him on Instagram and Facebook. Head to Spotify or your favorite podcasting app and find Fright School there. And of course, as for us... Just search Jersey Ghouls on your favorite podcasting app and social media. You will find us everywhere. JerseyGhouls.com for all the latest news. And again, tune in next week and every single Sunday in the month of March to find out who we crown as the winner for Stephen King adaptations. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.